still real to me, damn it! <laughs> the Breaking KP Podcast, hosted by Vince McMahon's. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? You are listening to the one and only Breaking Kayfabe Podcast. Actually, not the one and only, but it's the only one that really matters. God damn it. With your host, Vince McMahon's here. I'm here to talk about another week of professional wrestling. Yes, much more positive this week than the last. You know, coming off of all those releases and everything that we had to deal with, man. We finally pushing past that. Looking for a brighter future, man. Today, we're going to actually talk about some things behind the scenes, behind the curtains, I would like to say. And what we had in store for this week of wrestling. Like I said, I'm your host, Vince McMahons, here speaking to you on this nice Friday afternoon. Hopefully, I'll be able to post this episode up before SmackDown begins. Uh, we'll be getting into that a little bit later, previewing the episode to come up. And also going over things from last week, uh, some things that happened Behind the scenes in uh, with the WWE going on with this coronavirus situation and the updates that they provided us with. So um, we're going to get right down to it, man. Uh, but for starters, if you like what you're hearing, if you want to spread the word, you can follow me on Twitter at Vince McMahon's. Um, and also this podcast, Breaking Kayfabe, baby. We just got added to iTunes. Shout out to them. Took a few days for them to get back to me on adding this up, but... Yo, I, I got to admit, it, it lit a little fire under me, you know, getting that official posting approved. I was like, all right, you know what? Now it's real. I got to do this, man. I got to be consistent. I got to keep spreading the word. I got to put my voice out there more and more. So, yeah, man, I'm just excited to do the show this week. So, um, yeah, we're going to get started with a segment I like to call Behind the Curtains, where we break down everything that's going on behind the scenes in the world of wrestling whether it pertains to the WWE or AEW, anything else that's at all remotely related to the graps. We're going to tackle that right now, pun intended. So, to start, earlier in the week we heard that there was reports of an anonymous accusation made to the Board of County Commissioners in Orange County, Florida. Now, an alleged anonymous WWE employee, this is coming from Pro Wrestling Sheet, they submitted a public comment to uh, to the Orange County Board of Commissioners claiming that they're being forced to work despite the stay-at-home orders. But the WWE has since responded and said that these reports and accusations are false. So they even went on to say that uh, basically, you know, this ain't true. Like these, Like, employees know that they can go to human resources and specifically not the public whenever they have issues such as this. Um, so they said, notwithstanding the appropriate protocol, no one would be fired if they were uncomfortable with their surroundings. And I just found this report a little bit interesting because, you know, we have been debating over the last few weeks if what the WWE is doing is safe for their workers, safe for the uh, people that they have backstage. And hearing that there might be a little bit of tension backstage with someone who feels as though they can't really say much. It's kind of alarming, but at the same time, I mean, we can't really say for sure if this is a true accusation or not. You know, they they went by an un, 
on a um, anonymous basis, and they were saying John. They they just used the name John. Uh, he he said he was unable to speak out and fears he'll be in, he'll be fired if he talks to higher ups about the situation. But according to WWE, they've been lenient with people. Uh, not being like, not feeling as though they should work. They said that they've been like making accommodations for those who feel as though they shouldn't. Um, I mean, as was previously reported, Roman Reigns backed out of appearing at Ro- WrestleMania due to his concerns. So, I mean, that's a whole different story, obviously. Being someone who is like the top superstar in the company, who knows who this person, this anonymous person could be. They could be a cameraman. I don't know. They could be somebody who sets up the ring, a makeup artist. You really don't know. So, um, yeah, the, the WWE denying all of this is pretty much expected. So, with that, it's not much we can really move forward with, especially not knowing the identity of this person. So, I will say, though, the concerns that this alleged employee has are very valid. I mean, they did bring up the fact that, you know, they have people that are in close proximity with each other and... It's not really much of a way they can avoid having contact with he, with one another. So judging off of that info, I would probably guess that this is actually talent that they're referring to. But like I said, it could also I could also picture it being someone like a makeup artist who has to be, you know, up and up really close with someone else, you know, working with people, working on their face and, you know, painting them. It's like, I, I, I really don't need to be touching you right now. You know, like I, I could back up a little bit. But if it's your job, you gotta show up. It's not much you could really. It's not much you could really say, you know. And we saw how quickly they were to just, just last week. Just be like, you know, we gotta make some cuts. Me personally, if I was in this position where I wasn't like star talent, or if I was, you know, just somebody a part of the company, I could see where this person is coming from, saying, you know, maybe maybe I shouldn't say nothing, but it just brings up. It brings up an interesting point, you know, because these are things that we're going to have to deal with. Like, it's going to be certain things that companies will do that we can't really agree with. But in wake of all the things that's happening, they have to they have to adapt. And the WWE right now is just constantly moving and trying to figure out what they're doing with their situation as this all unfolds. Speaking of which, Vince McMahon held a conference call yesterday on thursday with um investors you know talking about a lot of things that's going on with uh their production and what what their plans are for the future i'm not going to get into everything that was said in this meeting but it's a few things that i want to sort of highlight that i thought were important so first and foremost vince mcmahon is skeptical about live events going forward and he doesn't want to give a time estimate as to when crowds will return but he's pretty much very confident that they're going to keep adapting and keep doing, you know, the things that they're doing now. So, yeah, it's just, it's wild to think that, you know, SummerSlam is supposed to be coming up in, what, July, August? And we don't even know if we'll be having that in front of a live crowd. They got money in the bank coming up, and we're going to talk about that more later. But they they switched it up. They're going to have it, have it in a new kind of setting, which is dope, but... Going forward, are they going to have to keep coming up with new concepts? Are we going to see a SummerSlam on the beach or something? Like, who knows, man? 
Are we going to see it on a cruise ship? Anything is in the air right now. But just Vince being skeptical about live events going forward, it, it's kind of, um, it's actually kind of a good thing in my opinion because I already thought that they paid way too much attention to catering towards live events and relying on that so much for their product and for their uh, profits. I remember there were discussions being made about whether or not they should be running live events during holiday seasons, like during Christmas. And of course, Rebby Hardy, Matt Hardy's wife, she's always a proponent of, my husband needs to stay home. He, why, why he gotta be out here working during Christmas? And I, I kind of agree to that, man. I mean, it's Christmas day. Like, why do y'all, why are the WWE performers like some of the only people on the road, like, performing at live shows on christmas like we, we can have a break i mean I, we know we have christmas nba games but for the wwe maybe maybe give talent a little break sometimes you know they work such a hectic schedule throughout the entire year barely get any days off maybe live events don't need to be your main course meal anymore you know so another change that they see going forward is that we'll be seeing more cinematic style matches or is Vince called them mini movies. Nigga, let's say cinematic style. I like that better. So, we already sort of st started to see this a little bit, right? I mean, you saw NXT this week. We saw how they were starting to implement more vignettes and backstage, not backstage promos, but just um, video packages showcasing people's personalities more. We saw Candice Lorraine Johnny sit down at the dinner table which also had Johnny Gargano's cup on the table, which was very unsanitary, especially during this time, Johnny. What the hell are y'all doing now? Come on, man. Sweaty. You got your sweaty ball sack cup sitting on the table right next to Candace's steak that she just made for you. God damn it. But we had that. We saw Chelsea Green sitting poolside taking flicks for um, with her and Robbie Eagles. Is that his name? Robbie Eagles? That might be somebody else. Um... Robbie E from TNA, he was sitting with her, you know, they was chatting it up poolside talking about, you know, you're going to be a star, you're going to be this, that, 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 I like it, I like seeing stuff like that, and also, you can see this with how they were treating the cruiserweights, building up towards their matches, they had them each have their own little vignette, but I think what Vince is referring to here is more so those, like the Boneyard match and the Firefly Funhouse match. I want, I'm here for it. I want to see more of those, uh, quote, mini movies, as you like to call it. And maybe even start to sprinkle it in a little bit with Raw and SmackDown. You know, I, we can have promos building up towards superstars. We can have more vignettes. We can have outside storylines going on that don't just pertain to what's in the arena. Like, we, we can start seeing more of these people, like, outside in the real world. I think that'll really make it dope and it'll really give us like a new a new look into who these people are. Don't give us some bullshit like we just saw with Bobby Lashley trying to lift the fucking tire for two segments at night. And then like, what? Can we just talk about that for one split second? What the hell was that? What were they thinking? Like they was like for some reason they just don't know how to treat Bobby Lashley. They don't know how to make this man seem like a credible threat. Anytime they try to do something with him, they make him look like a fucking goofball. Having this nigga sit in the gym, he's like, hey, 
You see this tire right here? <laughs> it's pretty fucking heavy. <laughs> I bet you I can flip it. So he flips the first tire. He's like, man, that was a big tire. But I bet I can flip that bigger one. <laughs> and then later on, he struggles. Oh, oh my God. What am I supposed to be sitting at my couch and just like, oh my God, is he going to lift his tire? Is he going to flip it? Is he actually going to get the chance to flip over the fucking tire? And he, of course, he ends up flipping it. Lana's there just like, yes, go, Bobby, go. Like, what the hell am I watching? Get this shit off of my screen. This is some bullshit. But anyway, man, I digress. We'll be seeing more cinematic style matches, man. Um, Especially coming up with this Money in the Bank match, man. That corporate ladder match. We're going to get into it more. I'm going to break it down more later. But I'm very excited to see what that's going to be like. Something I'm not excited for is the fact that there will be no new WWE 2K game this year. But considering the fact that 2K20 was absolute garbage, I'm not really that mad at it. I still play 2K19 to this day. That's probably one of the better WWE games in the last decade, I would say. Perhaps even all time, honestly. So, as long as I still have that game, I guess I guess I'm cool for now. But as far as WWE 2K, if you were a fan of the series, I hate to break it to you. They're not going forward with it no more, man. But I heard that it's something else that they're dropping. Apparently, this week we'll be getting more info on that. But I heard it's something new. It's something new. I, I can't say what it is because I don't know what it is. I just know, according to a scoop of a scoop, they got new plans in the works. They got a new game that's being developed that's not really simulation-based. It's going to be something different. Maybe we'll see a more arcade type of WWE game. Maybe we'll see a fantasy booking game. I doubt it, but who knows? Like I said, it's all up in the air. This coronavirus is in the air. The wrestling is in the air. Everything is just in the air nowadays. Anything. Anything could go. Anybody can get it. Speaking of anybody being able to get it, I want to see where the AEW defenders are at right now because AEW is planning to resume their live tapings in Jacksonville, Florida on May the 6th. And now I say that because a lot of people were online spitting that hot shit. Talking a lot of shit about WWE, saying, you know, y'all evil, y'all should not be having live events. Hey, man, I was just one of those people a few minutes ago saying maybe this is wrong, but I'm not on the fence. I'm not just, you know, on the boat, just riding anybody wave. I, anybody can get the heat, in my opinion. So, AEW, y'all not in the right position either to really be doing stuff like this. You know, Florida seems to be the land where anybody can just do whatever the fuck. So, they're going to be continuing tapings in Jacksonville, their little headquarters area. And they're just going to keep it rolling. I guess they're still going to have no crowd. And once these pre-tape shows are up, they're going to continue going live. I don't really see the benefit of that, given that you still don't have a crowd to attend the live show. But if that's what they want to do, hey, man, that's what's happening. Florida is Florida's the Badlands. You can't can't say much about it. Well, are we just we're just gonna continue watching. I guess that's it. I was actually supposed to go to AEW this past Wednesday. That's why I'm pissed. All right, if they tell me that these live events are gonna be starting back up soon and they're gonna have crowds, I'm gonna be like, yo, come on now. Like, first of all, we're not ready for that. But two, I was just supposed to go this past Wednesday in Philly, and. We already know why that was uh, canceled, but 
supposedly is being postponed. That's what SeatGeek told me. For they have it now for July 29th. AEW hasn't announced an event for that in Philadelphia yet, but we'll see how that goes. So, stepping away from the reality of professional wrestling, we could be seeing a pretty good show coming out of HBO being developed by Dwayne The Rock Johnson and Issa Rae, who are reportedly developing a script for for a backyard wrestling promotion-based uh, show. This sounds really dope to me because just for the fact that it being on HBO and having The Rock behind it as a producer, you can tell that it's going to have a good budget to it. And HBO typically has shows with really good like actors and people behind it. Issa Rae, great writer. Um, the show is going to be titled Trey Cent. Trey CNT, I'm, I'm assuming, actually. And Variety Reports says the show is about Cassius Jones, a young dock worker and struggling pro wrestler who uses inherited life insurance money for startup cash and the deed to a shotgun house for his grandfather to start a hip-hop-centric backyard wrestling empire in Houston's third ward, the Trey, with the help of his working-class family, neighbors, and friends. That sounds dope, man. And just the fact that they're sort of sprucing in like the influence of hip hop into professional wrestling, this is something that I always wanted to see play out in real life. Like I wanted to see what it would look like to have a wrestling promotion that's predominantly black and that's predominantly run by, you know, black promoters and uh, hip hop heads. Something that I would hope were to happen with House of Glory in the near future, especially since uh, what's his name is the owner of that now. But um I'm excited, man. I'm excited to see where this show is going to go. Uh, the Rock's last show, Ballers, just ended in October, and Issa Rae still has Insecure going. So we know that the connection is there. Which, um, just them being like, you know, producers um, in HBO. So, yeah, there's not much it's not much news on it right now. It's in early stages of development. So I'm just looking forward to hearing more about that as we continue. All right, so that's all I got for you guys outside the ring, behind the curtain. So now let's let's step center stage for a segment I like to call Breaking It Down. Let's get it. Break it down. Breaking It Down, man. It's a segment where I like to go forward, break down the week that was in professional wrestling. We go, we go into depth on SmackDown, or as I like to call it, Crackdown. We go into depth on Monday Night, Monday Night Naw. We call it Monday Night Naw because niggas are wildin'. And then uh, we then go into the Wednesday Night Wars. And then we'll close you guys out and uh, say thanks for listening. So, we will begin with Friday Night Crackdown. Usually, I don't really enjoy SmackDown. Some bullshit that be happening on there, man. And I find it ironic Every time the show comes on, it's like, are you ready for a good time? It's, it's, it's a slap to the face to me because it's really like, oh, it's like, here come the bullshit. Here come this fucking corny cheap steak shit. Um, ever since they moved to Fox, I just have not been rolling with SmackDown for many reasons, really. I just feel like it's the cheesy sports entertainment aspect of wrestling that we try to shy away from. And it's the really tropey, just like unnecessary shit that we just tired of seeing. It feels like, and 
in very basic terms, it feels like the more Vince McMahon show. I know it's not really right to put all the blame on Vince all the time, but that's what it feels like to me. It feels like the fucking, just like Vince McMahon just skeeting all over that shit. I don't even know what to say. All right, that's that's disgusting. I'm sorry. I'm sorry about that. Anyway, man, SmackDown. Friday Night Crackdown. Biggest highlight of this show. I'm not going to go into all the details. Biggest highlight of this show, obviously, is the New Day winning the tag titles for the eighth time. Now, goddamn, did Biggie put on a performance of this? First of all, this is historic in many ways because Big E, I believe, is the first person to ever win tag team titles by himself. Secondly, Big E is the only person within the New Day to actually hold these titles eight times. He's won him, I think, maybe, I don't know how many times with Kofi, but you know, you get the idea. Like, they've won it in different, like, with different iterations of each other, but each time. It's been either Biggie and Kofi or Biggie and Xavier. So Biggie has a bright future, man, especially as a single star. This night gave us a little quick preview as to what Biggie could be like, you know. And if you got the chance to hear that promo that he cut after the match where he was in the gym just working out, man, oh, it was it was hilarious. Even before that, he he cut a quick promo, you know, facing the cam, just hyping up the match. And I could just tell, man, this dude is really just finding his groove. He's finding his element, his confidence, really, as a performer to where I feel like he could go. He could carry himself to that main event level if they give him the chance. So, which leads me to believe now, is this title win building towards a potential New Day split? Is Are they bold enough to pull the trigger on that? Are they going to do something like that? Because we already saw, we saw... The vignettes they've been pulling with this hacker persona, this person that is supposed to be exposing all the shit, all the relationships, behind the scenes bull crap that's going on and revealing who's really betraying their friends. He said, sometimes you keep your uh, friends closer, your enemies closer, whatever he said. And according to the people with the tinfoil hats on Twitter, it could be Xavier Woods. They sped it up. The audio a little bit. They did something with the audio, changed it, and they came to find out that it sounded a little bit like Xavier Woods. Hold on. If y'all hear my cat in the background, this motherfucker do not shut up. Shut up, nigga. I'm recording a podcast. God damn it. Anyway, they think it's going to be Xavier Woods. I think that would be hot because if they just keep building it, he's not ready to compete right now at this moment, I don't believe. Uh, his injury... Had him slated for about six months to a year. So it's been about six months now. Let's say, let's give him, let's give him nine months, give or take. Let's say his, his, uh, let's say his recovery goes well and we can see him back three months from now. Imagine having this hacker storyline build towards something to where Big E is revealed to have gone against Kofi or gone against the group or something. We could have that, but we could also take it to the direction where Big E now comes away with this title win like, yo, I won this shit. Y'all niggas ain't do shit. Y'all was sitting on the motherfucking couch. Xavier, you was on the couch sitting on your ass playing video games. Kofi, you was in, you was just fucking chilling in Texas, not doing shit. I won these titles, nigga. Every single time we won these titles because of me. Now what y'all gonna say about it? 
maybe maybe that's the direction they'll go. Maybe not. Maybe we'll see. Maybe we'll see just them being together and they just have a little solo run, respectively. I think that would be cool too because honestly, I don't want to see the new day split. But it, you can't deny that it could make for some compelling content. That's all I'm saying. Let's book it, man. So speaking of like people breaking out in the single stardom, Sonya Deville, man. Can I can I get a toast to Sonya Deville real quick? Can can we put a sip up real quick? Sonya Deville cut one of the best promos I've seen on this new iteration of Friday Night SmackDown. As a matter of fact, it's the best promo she's cut in her career. It's one of the only promos we've seen her cut in her career. So who knows what else she got in the docket? All I know is that shit was fire. And I consider myself a Sonya Deville stand now. She's beautiful. She's marvelous. She's talented in the ring. She can cut promos. She's a representative of the LGBTQ community. I mean, what else do you need to say about this woman? They need to put the rocket strap on her. Stop wasting time on these fucking Lacey Evans and Dana Brooks and shit. Start giving attention to where it deser- to where it's deserved. And I only say that. I'm only taking shots at Dana Brooke because I already feel like SmackDown and Fox just put way too much attention on blonde-headed women when they have talented women of color, just like people that are part of different backgrounds. Like I said, Sonya being in the LGBT community, people that actually embrace like some sort of personality to them. I just feel like SmackDown, they just go for the blondes. Like they just like Lacey Evans, bang. Let, let's put her over. Dana Brooke, bang, let's put her over Naomi, which is a fucking, should be a crime. That should be a fucking war crime. Why, considering the pop that Naomi got returning from the Royal Rumble, why had they not pulled the trick on her yet? This is the, this is the stuff that I'm talking about. But instead, they want to give it to Dana Brooke, which, I mean, shout out to Dana Brooke. I know she's been on the grind for a long time, but, like, the evidence is there. Like, when you look at how they treat performers of color and how they treat the blondes and they give them an attention Lacey Evans is I don't care what you say about her I don't care if she's been in the Marines I don't care that she has a fucking daughter she's her character is a bona fide heel a heel character but they try to force this shit on us she's the she's the sassy southern sexy superfluous bell I'm like yo this bitch I don't want to cheer for her she look fucking racist she look a step away from calling me that word so, I'm tired of it. I want to see them push more people of color. I want to see them push more diverse women on SmackDown. So, tonight, we have a qualifying match between Lacey and Sasha. They better they better not give this fucking win to Lacey Evans. She better not be in this Money in the Bank ladder match. Because, obviously, the storyline that's brewing right now is between Sasha and Bailey. We want to see... We've been seeing each week how much Sasha has been tempted by the idea of being women's champion. Now, wouldn't you want to have her best friend Bailey as champion and have Sasha walking around with the Money in the Bank briefcase with the with the constant threat of having Sasha there to p- potentially cash in on Bailey? Like, it's a no brainer there. It's honestly a no brainer. So, 
tonight I better see Sasha Banks somehow, some way, get into that Money in the Bank ladder match. Let's book the damn territory, baby. Speaking of which, Daniel Bryan and Cesaro put on a banger in a qualifying match last week. This year's Money in the Bank ladder match is looking to be something historic. I say that not only because of the competitors in the match, but also because of the fact that they had this corporate stipulation starting from the bottom of the fucking building and working your way to the top. Top of the floor is going to be it's going to be a ring on the roof. Niggas going to get thrown off. It's like, no. <laughs> and then it's going to be a ladder at the top, man. Yo, I was hyped for that. The moment that I saw this is true, man. I'm not trying to sound like I'm some fucking uh some uh nostradamus or something but the moment that i saw that they were having the money in the bank ladder match on the roof of the headquarters i was like oh man it would be dope if they had them start from the bottom of the building and what do you know they gonna have that man so with that in play and this being probably playing out in a sort of cinematic style like we spoke about earlier i want to see some cool shit yo i want to see something like replicated that we seen in film if you ever seen uh, Daredevil on Netflix, you remember that scene where he was in the hallway just beating niggas the fuck up? I want to see something like that with Alistair Black just like giving niggas hands down the hallway. Just do, 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 doom, knocking niggas to walls, bet, bet, running knee. Oh, man. This this has, this has really does have the potential to be some hot shit. And then what I'm wondering is like once they get to the roof, is it then going to transition into a real match? Are certain superstars going to make it to the roof before other superstars? Like, it, it's going to be hot, yo. It's going to be some hot shit. I'm hyped for it. So, yeah, man. Let's move over to Monday Night Noah where niggas are wilding. Um, my main dude, man, Drew McIntyre right now, he's the champion that we need and the champion that we deserve to take us through this quarantine time. He's finally getting his time to shine, and it sucks. It sucks that there's no crowd there to really enjoy this run that he's going to have. But I say just keep the title strapped on him for a minute, man. At least until we get the live crowds back, we need to have Drew just like get slowly and surely just built up during this time. Have him just dominate the uh, roster. Have him be built as credible. It's not a crowd there for them to reject him, which is good. Because I feel like at this point, the crowd might start already trading on him, being like, oh, he forced down our throats. He not really, you know, like they, they trying to really push this old Drew shit. Because, like, when you look at him, they really trying to stack the cards against him right now. They giving him some Roman booking and shit right now. First, they got Andrade Stable coming after Zelina Stable, honestly. They got Zelina Stable coming after him. And then later on in the evening, we see Seth come after him. So it's like, it's a two-sided warfare. If Seth had his squad coming after him, that means you would have two factions coming after one man. Which is how it should be when you're the champion. When you're the champion, everybody wants your title. And I like that. And I like that they're building Drew up as that champion that's not afraid of a fight. He's not afraid of a battle. He's willing to go toe-to-toe with anyone. The nigga did a top rope... Um, he did a flip over to, uh, to Tope Suicida or whatever on Monday. I thought that was dope. He showed, he said, yeah, I could do everything. He started laughing. I was like, yeah, that's hot, bro. But, yeah, just all of that considered, man, you can tell. I'm excited. I'm really enjoying this Drew McIntyre run. It's just beginning. We're only two weeks in. But I already feel like it's a good thing right now. They got a good thing with Drew McIntyre. He's the number one face of the company right now. 
Let's not let's not deny that Roman is on hiatus. Seth is kind of like the in the number one heel role. Drew McIntyre is the number one babyface. That's it. That's that's how it is. And also Zelina Vega's new stable is being they kind of being built up as that uh that that uh, oppositional force. I like them as a group, but I think they need to add a little bit of credibility to them. Obviously, Andrade has the U.S. title, so he's fine. But as far as Angel Garza and Austin Theory, I feel like they have kind of been dulled down respectively since they put them both together. So just, just you know, work out the kinks a little bit with them. Give them sort of more of an identity. Give them some wins. I don't know if they really need to be in a tag team together, but it's not like they can both go for a singles title since Andrade has that. So, yeah, I guess they do have to go after the Street Profits naturally. So I'm not going to go through every single match that happened, but those are like kind of my highlights. I just really think that right now is a a very interesting time as a viewer of all this because it's exciting to see how this coronavirus situation is forcing them to make a lot of changes that we've been calling and pushing and begging for throughout all the years. It's really just making them move in new, new directions creatively and build new stars that we haven't seen get much of the time to excel. I.e., you know, Liv Morgan or um, Ricochet and Cedric and Apollo Crews, which if I have a quick moment, quick aside, a quick, quick, quick moment to fantasy book this, I cannot stress enough how much I want to see those three in a faction with MVP. I might have said this last week, but I do not say that simply because all of them are black. While I do think that that'll add to the dynamic, shit, if we can have a faction with Andrade and Angel Garza simply because of the fact that they're Mexican, why can't we have a group of dominant athletic black men with MVP who was one of the best like mic performers and promo artists in the game? I say that they all need to be together because all of them are struggling with the same problem we have three athletic like we have three super talented performers in ricochet cedric and apollo who lack only one key like characteristic and that's being able to speak for themselves being able to promote themselves and having a character behind who they are so i think that pairing them with mvp could be the perfect thing to like really put them over like, I'm talking about New Day levels of, like, over. They could really do something in there. Like, they could have something there. And I see them, surprisingly, I kind of see them as, like, a heel faction, even though, obviously, Ricochet and Cedric are kind of, they're so great at what they do. Like, people love to endorse the high flyers and cheer for them. But with MVP talking behind them, I could really see them being, like, some kind of stable that is either revolve around being like a kind of like a boxing gym but kind of like a wrestling gym i don't know how to really explain it kind of like imagine like floyd mayweather's the money team or something something like that where they all kind of like balling and they all kind of like are just like under this one coach they have a coach basically and he coaches them through everything and they kind of work together i think that could be really really dope And I really just want to get that idea out to somebody because somebody needs to be listening. Somebody needs to know that what they have right there in front of them is 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 the way to go. And if they don't 
pull the trigger on that, at least put MVP with Apollo because he just beat his ass on Monday. And he could come on and be like, yo, man, I saw what you did last week. Let me manage you. Let me let me put you over, bro. Like, I got you. So maybe we'll see that as the weeks develop. Shout out to Liv Morgan getting her win, too. Like I said, they, they just building new stars. People getting time to shine now. Like, even despite the setbacks, we always say this. They, they have the ability to adapt like it's nothing. And we're seeing that every week on Monday Night Raw. I've been enjoying their shows. Quite honestly, I think Raw is slowly creeping into that number one spot for me each week as the best show. NXT, I think, is still there. Um, yeah, I think I think Raw has been very consistent as a, um, as has been rolling around with this Corona stuff. So, speaking of NXT, let's move over to the Wednesday Night Wars, shall we? Mm. Now, I spoke a little bit about this earlier. I think NXT just did a really great job. At showcasing their talent in a new format this week. Like I said, with Johnny Gargano um, in the vignettes. Um, with him and Candice LeRae explaining why they turned... Explaining why they did that whole situation with Tommaso Ciampa. And I guess this is a heel turn. And it's, I love how a good heel character, I think, always has to have like a good just justified reason for their misdoings or their mistreatment. And they're just basically coming from the approach that like, yo, y'all trade y'all traded on us because NXT fans are often the ones to endorse the people that go against the grain. Like the Finn Balors, you know, Dakota Kai's Undisputed Era. And then you got Johnny and Candace coming up and saying, like, yo, we played the good guy role for you guys for how long? And where did that get us? You know, so thought that was dope. I also thought the Chelsea Green segment did more favors for her than anything else she's done in the ring this far. So, yeah, they need to really take this format of promoting characters behind the scenes and doing these pre, pre, uh, pre-recorded pre segments. They need to take that and do that on Raw more. Um, fuck SmackDown. I don't care about SmackDown. Do that on Raw more. It could help. And, yeah, just keep the ball rolling with that. And they also did the same, a very similar thing with the cruiserweights, showing them have like they did like kind of like pre-fight vignettes, which kind of give it a more of a sports feel to it. it kind of reminds me of like a UFC doc, or if you ever watched like those boxing docs that lead up to a fight, it showcases just like people training, like their upbringing, their backstory. It's really dope, especially since a lot of these cruiserweights are new people that we haven't seen, so. I'm not going to get into the results because it's a lot going on there. But one thing I will speak on is Drake Maverick. Drake Maverick, we talked about him last week and having his uh, having his little cry speech on Twitter. It's very sad, very emotional, but he's still working. He's still got he's still still doing the job. And I'm just thinking now, did he win his job back? Like, did they see the reaction that he got and started to try to work this into a storyline? Because with his package, pause, they talked about his actual like him posting that video and i was surprised to see that i was surprised that they broke the kayfabe hey 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 wink wink and showed that he was actually very upset about being let go so 
are they going to now work this into a storyline? I think that would be kind of a smart decision. What if they actually, you know, started to bring in the idea that a lot of people are losing their jobs right now? I think that'll be something that's very conscientious of the real world that we're living in now. Like, and it could relate to a lot of people could relate to that, you know, like have him be like, I lost my job. Like I'm fighting for my all right now, you know, like the world is changing and one day you wake up and everything has changed. Like they could really go in a whole new direction with him, yo, and just have him be the representative of the masses during this time. So who knows what they're, what they're going to do with Drake Maverick. Maybe he, maybe he did get his job back. I feel like we would hear a report about that if he did, but the Cruiserweight Championship Tournament is still going on. They're doing it in a weird way where it's not like you lose and you get eliminated. I think it's like the best out of the three matchups since it's like four people in each bracket. They each have to face each other once, and whoever has the best record out of that advances. So Drake Maverick, I guess he has one loss right now, but he still has a chance to pull through. I still think Shane Strickland should win the whole thing. Um, Isaiah Swerve Scott, but I digress. Moving right along, let's talk about AEW. AEW, I think, had a pretty slow week, although it did beat NXT in the ratings as far as viewership. But, I mean, it started out, the show started with this corny-ass Cody Rhodes promo talking about uh, he he was going through like every competitor in the TNT Championship tournament. He was like, "Oh, we got the we got the young stars, we got the crazy guys, and we got my brother Dustin. He's he's a ring veteran. Where do I fit into all of this? I'm tired of Cody. Like, we get it that you're a main star of the company. We get it that you're the president. But like, why does everything have to be about him? And why does he always have to make himself seem like he's the guy? Like, I feel like if he weren't to do that." He wouldn't come off like that to me. Like, you're not. He makes himself. He books himself into the role that he actually is the best wrestler, like, in the world. I think he actually believes that he's the best thing going for that company. And it's it's a little bit shallow. Like, it's kind of corny. Like, and this whole promo just came off as just, like, whack as fuck. Just coming on here. He's like, where do I fit into this world? It's like, nigga, you booking this shit. What the fuck? You're the president of the fucking company. And if I see him win this TNT title, I'm going to be actually pretty upset. Like, that's corny. Like, you're supposed to be using this title to push up new talent, to push up, you know, people that can build your brand. But you're probably going to put it on Cody Rhodes, the number one guy in your company. And that's that's whack to me, man. He's going to face off probably against um, Lance Archer. So I'm hoping Lance could take that title from him. Cody will be another, he'll be more of a loser even then. And I think that's just more of a story to tell because Lance is just getting started. We already saw um, him and Terry. Is that Terry? That's not Terry. Wait, Jake the Snake. I said Terry Funk. Him and Jake the Snake taking shots at Cody. So it'll just make more sense if Lance was the one to actually go over him. So, yeah, we had that corny Cody promo. Then we had a really fire match with Sammy Guevara and Darby Allin. Not much to say there other than it was a dope match. You need to check it out. Um, Chris Jericho on commentary. A lot of people giving him praise on commentary. And I'm just kind of... at the first, the first week or so, I liked it a lot. I thought it was funny. But now I'm just starting to say, like, he, he diverts way too much attention, like, to himself. Always trying to crack jokes. Always trying to make comments. Like, always trying to be like, oh, I, if, if I was them, I would be like, like, come on, bro. Like, give it a breast. 
And I feel like he doesn't just give it a moment to breathe. And I feel like as a professional broadcaster, Tony Schiavone doesn't. You can tell that he like kind of like doesn't fuck with him. <laughs> like he just like always making comments like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like laughing, half laughing at Jericho's jokes. But it's like, Jericho, come on, bro. It's not it's not all about you. And I know he does give a lot of wrestlers and performers credit during his time on commentary. He does try to shed light on their talent. But I just feel like he tries to take over too much with his personality. Like it's dope is I think he's I think he's. He's doing good. Like he he could be a good commentator, but I think he needs need to reel it back a little bit, you know. And remember that he's not as much as he loves to be Chris Jericho, like in the commentator role, you can't be just Chris Jericho. Like you have to be secondary to what's going on in front of you. So yeah, man, that's AEW for you this week. Dustin Rose advancing the TNT Championship Tournament. Dustin Rose is arguably in the best shape of his career, but to me, it's just like, why should I care to see him at this point? I know he's putting on good matches, but why is he randomly just putting his career on the line against um against Kip Sabian? Why like why do they even need to add that stipulation? Like, come on, we know he's about to win. We don't even need to we don't need to entertain that. So is he gonna face off against Cody? I I don't know. I'm I'm gonna have to look up. I'm going to have to look up the bracket in a little bit. But either way, I just feel like Dustin Rose shouldn't be pushed as heavily as he is. The same way I feel Cody shouldn't. So, at the end of the day, I better not see Cody win this damn tournament. That's all I know. And I better not see Dustin in the finals of this tournament. That's all I know. What I don't know is what's going on with this being the Elite 200. I wanted to mention that because... They showed a quick promo for it, and they had Matt and Nick Jackson facing off in, like, a little backyard wrestling match. I thought that looked pretty cool, but I don't really watch Being the Elite, so y'all going to have to let me know. Like, what? Should I check it out? Do I need to, like, go back and watch them just to watch that match? Probably not. But maybe maybe that's something I should probably tune into if I really want to consider having AEW be, like, a consistent thing that I watch. Cause because they already spruce in a lot of storylines that don't play out on TV on that show, expecting people to just watch. Like, is is it good enough for me to consistently watch? I'm gonna have to see for myself. So with that, man, I'm I'm bringing us to the close of our show, man. Thank you for tuning in to the Breaking Kayfabe podcast. SmackDown Live is tonight. I'm recording this on a Friday, so we'll have more Money in the Bank qualifying matches to look forward to. And apparently also we're going to begin to look at the history between Braun Strowman and Bray Wyatt. So if they can cut together a nice little package for that, that that should be dope to see. I know I say dope a lot. I'm sorry. But we're getting used to it. We're getting used to the flow of broadcasting once again. Um, It takes a lot to, you know, speak in front of a mic by yourself. I think my friend Chad might be getting added to the show. He's waiting for his microphone to arrive. Through Amazon, of course. We are, we already know there's a lot of setbacks going on with that. So just keep keep your eyes and ears open. As far as this show goes, I'm going to keep trying to provide this audio for you guys on either Thursdays or Fridays. I think that's the nice sweet spot for me right now. So keep looking forward to it. Follow, follow me on Twitter at Vincent McMahons. That's V-I-N-C-E-M-C-M-A-N-Z. 
So you can also hit us up on iTunes. We got the podcast going, Breaking Kayfabe. If you like what you hear, man, tell your friends about me. Give us give us a thumbs up. Give us a five-star review, whatever it is you like. Shout us out. Share it. Do whatever you can, man, because I will greatly appreciate it. So thank you guys for tuning in. This has been another another edition of Breaking Kayfabe, episode five in the books. We out. Peace. What's up, boss? <laughs> How you doing? Yeah. What's good in the hood? Just hold it down, trying to take care of business. Keep it up. I'm a nigga. <laughs> <laughs>